Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in grade school, I was a Cub Scout. Any Cub Scouts in the room? A few, right? 
there was this annual event in Cub Scouts called the Pinewood Derby. You went and bought a little wooden block from the Cub Scouts and it had wheels and nails and it was your job to carve it into the shape of a little car and paint it and put numbers on it and that kind of thing. And then you would race your little car. Actually, that's probably not entirely accurate. They would put it on a track and then it would roll down the track. That's the whole thing. I I didn't really care about making a car. I didn't really care about a car race. I just wanted to participate. So we went to the store, we bought the little car kit, and then we took it to my grandfather's house, and he made a little car for me to race. It was not a particularly good-looking car. But the day of the race, my little car started winning. In fact, every heat, my car was way ahead of all the others, car lengths ahead And I started getting excited. Now let me be clear, my car success had absolutely nothing to do with me at all. I didn't buy the kit, I didn't make it into a car, I didn't even place it on the track. But as my car was winning, I was winning, right? I I think it's a little bit like when we watch professional sports or college sports and we feel like we're winning or losing as our team is winning or losing. Take it from me, you're not. You're just watching. But you wouldn't know that sometimes, right? Well, after every win, I started noticing the trophies more and more. And I became increasingly convinced that I was going to take home the first place trophy. The trophy was going to be mine because I was going to be the winner. I didn't go there hoping to be the winner that day, but I increasingly through the day was sure. Finally, we got to the last heat, and my car came in dead last. I was devastated. I was crushed. My hopes of victory were absolutely crushed, and I am bitter to this day. <laughs> I'm convinced I was cheated somehow. If only. If only my hopes and disappointments, my crushed hopes in life ended there or were as insignificant as a losing Pinewood Derby car race. How many of us have experienced far worse disappointments in life? Breakups, unreciprocated attractions, as I mentioned, sports losses, even when we're not playing the game, rejected job applications, getting lower grades than we thought we deserved or needed, unsuccessful medical procedures, unachieved goals, vacations that were disasters, failed partnerships, buyer's remorse after buying that dream thing, seeing our candidate for office lose an election, and sometimes much worse. Life often is full of disappointment. Life often brings us crushed hopes. How often have we seen people we know? How many times have we ourselves put all of our hope and faith in a, in a person? Maybe it was our spouse, a friend, a child, a political candidate. How many times have we put all of our hopes 
in a particular cause or in a new job or relocating to a new town or a particular belief system? How often have we put all of our hope and trust in a doctor or therapist or or maybe a a get-rich-quick scheme or a new business venture or some miracle cure and not have it worked out and then have to live with the disappointment What's the outcome when our hopes are crushed? Despair, disillusionment, disenchantment, defeat, depression. Does any of this sound familiar? Anybody ever been through anything like this? Sometimes, because we know the Easter story, I think we forget that on that first Easter morning, this is what they were going through. This is what they were experiencing. The women had gone to the tomb that morning not to meet and greet the risen Jesus. They went to the tomb to finish a job that wasn't done. And the haste and the frenzy and the fear and, the, and the, the, just the craziness of Friday afternoon, they didn't get the rituals done that are appropriate in the case of a Jewish burial. And so they were back on Sunday morning. What they expected to find was a dead body trapped in a tomb behind a stone that had been rolled across the entrance. In fact, that was the big question of the morning. Who's going to roll the stone away so that we can get in and finish the difficult job of anointing the dead body of someone we had hoped in? The last thing they expected that morning was an open and empty tomb. And actually, that's not accurate. That was a surprise. The last thing, the very last thing any of them expected that morning was to hear that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the dead. That was outside of anything they had hoped for. You have to remember, word didn't travel very fast in those days. This is before texting or tweeting or TikToking or anything else. Word moved slowly by word of mouth. For the vast majority of the followers of Jesus, this was still a day of mourning, even after they discovered the empty tomb. And even as word got out that Jesus wasn't there, they assumed the body had been moved. They were skeptical when the word came that he had risen, that he was alive. Most of the disciples were hiding behind locked doors, fearful because the authorities had just killed their master. Or some of them, like the disciples in today's story, were on their way out of town. Why hang around Jerusalem at this point? And so we are introduced to these two disciples, one named Cleopas, the other nameless, who are on their way, a seven-mile hike to the north and west to the village of Emmaus. It says in the passage that as they walked, they were talking about the events of the past several days. It doesn't tell us in detail, but it's not hard to guess what their conversation might have been. Very likely, they were in the crowd that watched Jesus enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey as people waved palm branches proclaiming Jesus to be the king. It's quite possible they were there when Jesus tossed the tables of the money changers in the temple. It's quite possible that they had been there watching the increasing conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. Maybe they were there when Jesus celebrated a Passover with them 
And he took bread and he said, this is my body. And, and, and a cup of wine and said, this is my blood. No doubt they had heard the word that Jesus' trusted disciple, Judas, had betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver and had committed suicide. Maybe. Maybe from wherever they were, some kind of hidden vantage point, they could watch as Jesus carried his cross to Calvary, as he was nailed to it and lifted between two thieves. Maybe they could hear the mockery he endured. Maybe they watched as he bled. Maybe they were there when he died and was placed in the tomb. Surely they were talking about all these things and more. They had followed Jesus. We don't know how long all the way into Jerusalem, expecting a very different outcome. But now he was gone. So I suspect part of the conversation was, what do we do now? Where do we go now? How do we pick up the broken pieces of our lives? What now? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you had to ask, what on earth? do I do now? Along comes a stranger. Now, you and I know who the stranger is, right? This is Jesus. The risen Jesus walks up alongside them as they're walking, but for some reason, they're not able to recognize him. His, his appearance is disguised from them. And the stranger just kind of picks up the conversation with them. He introduces himself and says, what, what are you talking about as you walk along? And Luke makes a point of letting us know that they turn to the stranger and their faces are downcast. The one called Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place over the last few days? What things, Jesus asked. Things about Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet, but our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. That's the line I want us to linger with for a moment. We had hoped. How many days before did they hope? Now, now they're speaking in the past tense. Hope is gone. We had hoped he would do this, but now he's dead. When he entered Jerusalem, we hoped he was the new king. When, when he stood up to the authorities, we hoped he was the one. But now he's dead. Now they're speaking in the past tense. Hope is gone. Hope is lost. We had hope. And what were they hoping for, specifically? That he would redeem Israel. Redeem means free. That he would set Israel free from its bondage, its captivity to a foreign invader, the Romans. That he would set Israel free to be God's chosen people again. To have a new beginning for the nation and for God's people. And I suspect, as Jesus' followers, they imagined they would have some role in it that they had found in Jesus a purpose for living, a calling that they could be part of, you know, a bigger story that they could play a role in. 
But all that was gone. When Jesus died on the cross, all of that seemed to be gone. No redemption for Israel, no freedom, no new beginning, no special calling. With Jesus dead, what, what would they do? How would they return to their old lives after they had seen and heard the things that Jesus had done and said? Where do you go when you've experienced such highs and such lows? What do you do? Where do you go when the only hope you knew is crushed? Pope Francis says, never yield to discouragement. Do not lose trust. Do not allow your hope to be extinguished. He says that because it can be, right? Have you ever experienced a hope that was extinguished? Have you ever experienced discouragement? Have you ever had trouble trusting God? How many of us have struggled just in the last 12 years, 12 months of this pandemic? Now, apparently, they had heard the rumors of the morning. It even sounds like maybe they were there when the women returned from the tomb. They, they, they had heard that the tomb was empty and that there were angels saying that Jesus was alive. But did you hear the skepticism, the cynicism, the doubt? They hadn't seen the empty tomb. They hadn't seen the risen Jesus. They hadn't been visited by an angel. It was just too much. They couldn't believe it. So Jesus replied, this is the message version, I like it. He said, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer, and only then enter into his glory? And he went on to talk about Lots of the stories in the Old Testament that pointed not only to a Messiah, but a suffering Messiah. Right about that time, they arrived in the village of Emmaus, and Jesus, the disguised stranger, indicated he was going to continue on down the road, but they convinced him, it's night, why don't you stay with us, let's eat together. So Jesus agreed. He sat down at a table, still disguised. Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it. Does that sound familiar? Just like he did at that last supper. And as soon as he broke the bread, something happened. They recognized him. They, they realized who the stranger was. And immediately he was gone from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road? Just, did you see the journey? We had hoped, crushed hope. Hope that was decimated on Good Friday. And this long journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus where they're just recounting all the reasons that their hope is lost. And here in an instant, the risen Christ is revealed to them and hope is restored. Hope is a major theme in Scripture. But hope, almost every time I find it in the Bible, is talked about in the midst of struggle, difficulty, opposition, adversity, disappointment. Hope is always born in the midst of difficulty. 
It's looking to God beyond the challenge of the immediate circumstance. Hope is about trusting God and God's promises, both in the present and the future. In the present, it's knowing that God is with us no matter what. And that God is always working behind the scenes. And for the future, to know that Easter always follows Good Friday. That resurrection always follows crucifixion. That God is at work. Hope is the conscience. Faith-based awareness that God is bigger than our biggest difficulty. And always faithful. Romans 5, 3-5 says, We even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. The disciples, I suspect all of the disciples, the 11 and everyone else, and these two included, they just couldn't see past the circumstances. All they could see was that it had come to an end and the one they had followed was dead. They certainly couldn't imagine a reality that was so big that God could raise their Messiah, their, their leader, their rabbi from the dead. They couldn't imagine that God's possibilities were bigger than just redeeming Israel. God had a plan to redeem the world. But the hope you and I are called to is hanging on even in the midst of hard times, clinging to our faith, even as it seems to be slipping through our fingers, never giving up on God, no matter how dark the circumstance. Hope does not mean that bad things won't happen. Hope does not mean that things are always going to work out the way we want them to. Hope does not mean we get to avoid all kinds of pain or loss or disappointment. You and I know that, right? Like faith doesn't guarantee that we have like uh, immunity to those challenges. Hope is. Hope is staying connected to God, even when the outcomes are unclear. I, I once heard a, a sermon by an African-American preacher. He was talking about an older woman in the church that he had grown up in, and occasionally when he got to go home, he would see this elderly woman and every time he saw her, she would ask one question. She'd say, Rev, you keeping on? And he'd always respond back, yes, ma'am, I'm keeping on. And she'd say, well, then you just keep on keeping on. I think that's what hope is, that we just keep on keeping on. No matter what the situation, no matter what the loss, no matter what the disappointment, no matter what the heartbreak, no matter what the setback, we just keep on keeping on because we have a risen Savior. Isaiah 40, verse 30 and following, Youths will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Just think about how many times he faced disappointment, discouragement in the midst of the civil rights battles. 
On the night before his assassination, he preached a sermon, gave a speech called, I've been to the mountaintop, referring to when Moses went to the top of Mount Nebo and saw the promised land. He concluded his speech that night saying, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. He's allowed me, God has allowed me to go up to the mountaintop and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. The next day he was shot dead. But the movement continued. He had a hope. He kept on keeping on, and the movement has beyond him. The novelist Barbara Kingsolver says, the very least you can do in your life is figure out what you hope for, and the most you can do is to live inside that hope. So what do you hope for? What do you hope for? And I don't mean hope as in a wish or or just being optimistic or positive. Because Jesus rose from the dead, because of God who is able to do far beyond all that we can ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20, what do you hope for? That day on the road to Emmaus, there were two disciples who had lost hope. Their hope was gone. Their hopes had been crushed. They didn't know what to hope for. But along came a stranger who opened their eyes. That stranger is in our midst. He's with us every time we worship. I wonder if he wants to open your eyes to new possibilities today. Let's pray. And so, Lord, renew our hope Renew our hope in you, what is only possible because of you. For the one who is going through the hardest time, Lord. For the one who is feeling their faith slip through their fingers. For all of us who have struggled through this past year and its pandemic and and so many other challenges. Renew our hope today. If you can defeat death, there's nothing you can't do. Renew our hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website, at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.